introducing Hilary Duff as Wendy. That was so exciting. Hilary Duff is carrying this movie. I be witching. Oh, maybe I should go out and look for some red overalls and a white t-shirt to rock. Hey, Team Duff, it's Wit. Thanks so much for listening to Duff Enough, the ultimate Hilary Duff fan podcast. This show is a celebration of the life and career of actress, singer, mother, and all-around icon, Hilary Duff. Coming up, it's the Casper Meets Wendy episode. So literally, let's go back, back to the beginning of Hillary's career. I'll be joined by fellow Hillary fan Kat McGee to kick off a segment called Block Duffster. And Kat is the co-creator of a stage show called The Hillary Duff Project. If you're listening to this episode as it's originally being released, then the latest production of the show is about to open in Chicago. So I want to say break a leg and congrats to Kat and the rest of the cast and crew. She'll explain more about it in just a bit, but all the details are on Instagram at the Hillary Duff Project. Before jumping into our conversation, let's hear from another fan about why they love our girl HD. This is from Team Duff with Love. Here's what Mark had to say. There are a million and one things I can say about my love and admiration for Hillary Duff, but for this, I'm going to keep it short and sweet. I'm just so grateful to her for always being such a great role model and inspiration. I know some other entertainers make it so hard to be a fan sometimes, but Hillary has never done that. She's virtually controversy-free. I've always been so proud of her and so proud to be able to call myself a fan from the very beginning. She's such a hard worker and so talented. It would have been so easy for her to fade away after Lizzie ended, but not only did she keep working, but she kept getting better. You can hear it in the vocals and her albums. Every time she released an album, she just sounds better and better, and even her lyrics get better. You can see it in her acting, too, and even in her parenting and philanthropy. And through her characters and her music and her personality, everything she's done, she's always just made it cool to be a good, kind, and thoughtful person. And that's something that I've always carried with me growing up, and I'm forever thankful to her for that. Sit back, relax, and enjoy our silver screen queen. It's time for Block Duffster. Well, joining me now is someone who I connected with recently on social media, and she has a project. It's called The Hillary Duff Project, so I can't wait to hear about that. Her name is Kat McGee. Hey, Kat, welcome to Duff Enough. Hi, happy to be here. Absolutely. So, Kat, what is The Hillary Duff Project? I'm so fascinated. Yeah, so The Hillary Duff Project was actually originally created by a friend of mine, Alex Benjamin, and I back when we were freshmen at Northwestern University back in 2012. Wow. We actually both discovered that Metamorphosis was our first CD. And so it kind of was this passion project that got us through the winter quarter um, and developed into the show that was originally called a not so typical girl. Um, but then we did it our freshman year to a sold out audience and then rebooted it for our senior year in 2015. And it actually uh, garnered the attention of Duff herself. Um, so she tweeted at us in support of the show. And then back in 2017, it had its Chicago debut under the new name, The Hillary Duff Project to another uh, sold-out run. And so now we're bringing it back. And actually, Alex is uh, working on some other projects. So it's just me this time um, with my um, some fellow castmates from previous productions. Um, but yeah, I'm bringing it back for a 2020 run in Chicago. 
Oh my goodness. I'm obsessed. And I want to audition. Like, oh, I wish I was in Chicago. (laughs) Yes. It's going to be a really, really fun time. It truly is just like an hour 20 of just a fun, like lots of dancing, lots of singing of her old uh, music, a lot of metamorphosis references and um, some of your old, you know, early 2000 pop um, and Disney Channel star references. The show essentially takes the audience through different stages of her life, including, you know, Casper meets Wendy, the Lizzie McGuire show, Aaron Carter dating breakup phase, Lizzie McGuire movie, and then the all encompassing life after Disney. So it's just a strong, um, you know, nostalgic trip for um, all of all of that time period. So it's really great. It's super fun. Awesome. Okay. And where can people look that up on social media? Yeah, so you can find uh, information about it on Instagram at the Hillary Duff Project. I can already tell people that they can find their tickets on Today Ticks, um, which is an app um, that they can download on their phones. And if they're in Chicago, totally download it on there and definitely follow us on Instagram for more information for sure. Cool. Awesome. And so you said Metamorphosis was your first album. I mean, lifelong fan, basically. Well, it's funny because I think I've actually become a stronger fan through writing this show. I was a big fan of her Metamorphosis CD, but growing up, I never really, I didn't really own a lot of CDs and I didn't really listen to radio just because my parents tended to limit like our access to those things. And so um, it wasn't until actually when we were writing the show and we started doing more research on Hillary and her life that I I became a much stronger fan in my um you know early 20s now into my mid 20s so I definitely would say I'm like a new super fan but I've always been a fan it really was in like probably the last six years that I've become a super fan. <laughs> and I think a lot of people can even relate to that too, because, you know, she went away for a little while and then she came back with like younger and everything. And it was just kind of like this revival of her being back in the spotlight. And a lot of people who had kind of, you know, lost touch of her, you know, kind of came back. So that's cool. Yeah. Well, I do have three questions for you that I ask every new guest on the show. And the first one is, what is your favorite Hilary Duff movie? There's a lot of really good movies that she's done, but I think I got to say, I, I think I'm a huge fan of her, of her movie, Raise Your Voice. It shows a lot of range in her acting ability um, that I think some of her other movies don't quite get there with. Um, but I love, I love Raise Your Voice. I love the music. I love the storyline. I love kind of the grittiness of it. I'm going to go with Raise Your Voice for sure. Teresa Fletcher. Iconic. Yeah, truly. Yeah. Okay. Next question. What's your favorite Hilary Duff song? I would say right now I'm really feeling in her Breathe In, Breathe Out album, My Kind. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's currently on one of my playlists that I play quite frequently. Um, it is uh, my pump up song in the morning when I'm commuting to work. Yeah. My Kind is truly what I'm feeling as of right now. <laughs> Should have been a single. Oh, entirely. I have a lot of thoughts on Breathe In, Breathe Out. Don't we all? Don't we all? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So many yes. thoughts. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Okay. And then finally, what is your favorite episode of Lizzie McGuire? It was technically the pilot episode, but then when the Lizzie McGuire premiered, I think it was the fourth episode, but it's the pool party episode. I love that episode because it kind of lays the groundwork for her and Gordo's um, 
kind of are they or aren't they going to get together by the end of this series? It plants that seed um, very well in that episode and kind of shows that friendship at its core, which I love. It was the fourth episode, you're right, that aired, but that pilot was so different from the rest of the series in terms of like the sets and just different different things. It's it's kind of crazy because they definitely there was definitely a period of time between shooting the pilot and the rest of the the rest of the show. So yeah. All three choices. Very nice. Very nice. Thank okay. You. <laughs> well, today we are going to be talking about Hillary's film debut, Casper Meets Wendy. And I really appreciate you doing this movie because I was like, you know, this probably isn't the one that everyone would want to do. But I mean, I'm glad you're down for it. Oh, entirely. It's truly a trip. I loved it. Yes. <laughs> I loved rewatching it. Yeah, I love rewatching it. And, you know, just to talk about where it kind of falls in the Hillary timeline, like I said, her debut movie, it was direct to video. This was back when we had like VHS and I had a VHS copy of this movie. Did you happen to have one? No, I didn't. I didn't know it was direct to movie. That's so funny. Yes. So only a home video release, but still it was a big deal. And that was during a time, the late 90s. It came out um, September 22nd, 1998. And they were doing all of those direct to video sequels at that time. Like Disney was doing a bunch. And, you know, there had been a big Casper movie in the mid 90s, 1995, uh, with Christina mm-hmm. Ricci. And that was a big, that movie was a big hit. And so they did two direct to DVD or direct to video sequels. Uh, Casper, A Spirited Beginning, which was in 1997. And then they did Casper Meets Wendy in 98. And so this was Hillary's moment. And uh, it's crazy to me. You know, I said it came out on September 22nd of 1998. That was right before her 11th birthday. You know, 10, maybe 9 when they shot the movie. But just first reaction from me, like seeing her in this, it's like so charming. And her it factor was already on display, honestly. Oh, entirely. I mean, when I was watching the movie, I watched it with a friend of mine and probably um, five minutes into her opening line, I turned to her and I said, Hilary Duff is carrying this movie. Um, For as many heavy hitters as there were in this movie, I really think that Hillary carried the movie and made it more entertaining than if it wasn't, if she had not been there and it had just been all of these other actors in it. She was just so charming and her comedic timing was actually very spot on for a lot of moments that realizing how young she was is just truly incredible to witness again, you know? Absolutely. And like Casper obviously was not there. So she's just acting most of the time, you know, with nothing. So yeah, so proud of her. So proud of her at 10 years old. Truly proud of her. And it and it doesn't shock me that she then had all of the things that followed. Mm-hmm. I'm not shocked that any of that happened for her because, you know, watching that and seeing how young she is, you can just already see the potential that she has as an actor and a performer. And so obviously there was many people at that time who saw that too and totally latched onto it. Right. A little bit about Wendy and that character. You know, Casper, it's a Harvey Comics cartoon and Wendy was actually uh, Wendy the Good Little Witch and she was a character in the Casper the Friendly Ghost comics and then she got her own comic in 1960. So this was happening like in the 50s and 60s and so an iconic character and then here comes Hilary Duff to play it. This was a 20th Century Fox home entertainment release 
And the last thing I wanted to mention here, fun facts-wise, Sean McNamara directed this. He's behind so many Disney Channel shows, and he would go on to direct her again in Raise Your Voice, your favorite Hilary Duff movie. Wow. Amazing. Yes. Jumping into the cast now, and you mentioned you mentioned the heavy hitters, because it's crazy to me that she's starring alongside Oscar-nominated actors in this thing. Hillary, of course, was Wendy. And then we had Kathy Moriarty as Gert, uh, one of the three witch ants. And uh, she was actually an Oscar-nominated supporting actress for Raging Bull. And I also looked it up and found out that she played a different character, a villain, in that 1995 Casper movie, which was strange. Yeah, I, I had thought she looked familiar, and I also looked that up as well. And I was a little shocked that she played an entirely different character in the same like universe. Yeah. And kept like blonde hair for both parts. I was like, okay. Then we had Shelley Duvall as Gabby, another witch aunt from The Shining, which I'm not like a horror movie fan, but I mean, when you know The Shining, you know her face and you know, like you can just look up the poster of that movie and it's just like, oh my goodness, this woman is in a movie with Hilary Duff. And it's funny because her character in The Shining, her name was Wendy. So it's like, whoa, full circle. Yeah. The Shining. I am a, I'm a huge fan of horror. Okay. And yeah, I mean, one, it's very cool to like see the range of actors always, but it is, it made me think a lot about, I wonder how much, knowing all the other people that I'm sure you're also going to continue naming, how much Hillary actually knew about the people that she was working with and seeing how well she kind of held her own in v- the various different scenes with these people. It's just honestly incredible. Yeah, yeah. Next here, Terry Gar as Fanny, the third witch aunt, and also an Oscar-nominated Best Supporting Actress for Tootsie with Dustin Hoffman. So it's just, it's mind-blowing. And of course, they all three had like different hair. So Terry had, or Fanny had the red hair, Shelly as Gabby had the black wig, and then uh, Kathy as Gert had blonde hair. So, you know, a little bit of a a different thing going on there for each of those uh, aunts. And then we get to like this Hollywood legend who is George Hamilton. Everyone knows him for his tan. Um, and he's kind of like this old Hollywood guy. And he like dated Marilyn Monroe. And again, like it just blows my mind that Hillary's in this movie with, you know, someone like him. And he played Desmond Spellman, which is the villain. An incredible name. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Such a good name. Wild that he's in this movie, but I also I kind of love him in it. So. Yeah. A couple of other names I wrote down here. Blake Foster played Josh, her little one-second love interest in this movie. Uh, He was in some Power Rangers movies, so I wanted to mention that. Turbo Power Ranger movie. That was a big movie that I watched as a kid, and when I saw it again this past time, I was like, this kid looks so familiar, and it took me a second. But yeah, it was the Turbo Power Ranger movie back in 1997. Yes, and he's like... He's going around to all these Comic-Cons. I looked him up on Instagram and everything. I'm like, okay. okay. (laughs) Oh, man. The other notable name I wanted to mention here, and there are a few cameos uh, that we'll talk about as we get into the movie, but Bill Farmer is actually the voice of one of the ghosts, uh, Stinky. And I'm a huge Disney fan, too. And uh, Bill Farmer is the voice of Goofy. Wow. I did not know that. That's a fun fact. Yes, yes. Let's move on to the movie now, and we'll kind of start at the beginning, go till the end. It'll be great. This movie begins with the opening credits, and we get Casper the Friendly Ghost music going on there, and we get to see introducing Hilary Duff as Wendy, and that 
That was so exciting. Just the best moment of that. I also forgot that back in the 90s and even before that they spent literally like four or five minutes doing all of the credits at the beginning and how they would use that in many movies, how they use that as an opportunity for like just little animated moments. But it was like a lovely little buildup to seeing her introducing Hillary Duff moment. And I actually have a funny story related to that because, and it would have been around the same time when The Parent Trap came out, because you're right, a lot of films during that time and, and even before, they'd put credits before the movie. Not not such a thing anymore, but, um, but then there were some movies that didn't do that. And I remember in the beginning of The Parent Trap, you have the credits that come at the beginning. And I would always like stop the VHS tape after it was over. And I'd be like, where's the rest of the movie? Like, why didn't the rest of the movie come on? So <laughs> yeah. I thought that was the credits. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. Side note, side note. After the credits, the movie opens on a baseball field. And this was very strange, but I don't know if there was something that happened in the, the little direct-to-video sequel that came before this, but a spaceship shows up and the ghosts appear. And it was just very strange. And I mean, you know, it's Casper and his uncles, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know what was going on there. It was a truly wild opening, so much so that I honestly questioned if I had turned on the wrong movie. It felt just so random. And then when the panic set in, it just was this very, I mean, very in style of the movie, but this, uh, the panic moments were with like, you know, I, I can't, I don't remember the name of the, of the ghosts, the three, the trio ghosts, but the bigger one who like loves, loves to eat. And he picked up all of the hot dogs and decided to like drop them on the people. You have the single guy who, turns to the camera and screams run for your lives it just it was it was a very um shocking beginning to this movie where i was like what how does this start again i don't remember this part at all it honestly it takes so long to get to wendy i'm just like i wish they would have just started with her yeah the moment it started getting really weird aka the very beginning i was like cool when's when's hillary showing up yep yep did you notice the baseball announcer was played by alan thick that's one of those cameos yes he was in a television show, right? Growing Pains. Growing Pains. Yep. So I kind of thought it was just, I don't know, it felt different. That moment especially just felt a little bit different from all the rest. But loved that. Loved that cameo, though. One last little note about the opening here. Immediately, you can tell it's the 90s. Like, all the people in their clothes. And this guy has a video camera. That's one of those old 90s video cameras where the tape is inside it. I mean, it was so 90s. Again, we still don't get to Wendy because the next scene, we meet the villain, Desmond Spellman, and he's doing this whole mirror, mirror on the wall thing. And he's asking, like, who's the, you know, baddest witch of all, basically, or warlock in his case. The mirror tells him that it's Wendy, the good little witch. And it's just like, oh, snap. So we kind of get this Snow White situation going on there. And so we know that he's going to be going after Wendy. And he makes these bad guy henchmen, which, by the way, I'm definitely going to refer to these people as like bad guys and whatnot. Like, I don't. Yeah, that's anyway. what they are. That's what they are. Yeah. <laughs> but he makes the henchmen and they're going to go get little Wendy. And it's just like, OK. Also, though, we learned that how he's going to get rid of Wendy is by sending her through this, you know, mystic portal. So we'll see what happens with that a little later. Then we get to Hillary. We get to Wendy and she's waking up and she's has she has the cutest little plaid pajamas on. Oh, it's so cute. I loved it. The tiniest little bean. 
earlier you were talking about her first line and it's something I wrote it down here and she says I also wrote it down but you go ahead (laughs) okay 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 so she says mornings would be better if they happened in the afternoon and this is after like a big yawn and it's just like girl relatable yeah truly I was like yes I'm on board with you 100% I like you I'm with you I'm rooting for you right then and there I mean Hillary obviously one thing about her is her relatability factor and even then as little Wendy she was giving us lines like that so She doesn't stay in the plaid pajamas for long because she uses magic to transform into her basically little red riding hood jumpsuit. Iconic. Truly iconic. And I love that, honestly, and uh, there's many moments throughout the whole movie, but I love that this movie, despite her being the youngest in her family, she's just as good, if not better, at magic than her aunt's. I love that little aspect of this movie because I feel like oftentimes in other movies, which I quite frankly can't think of any examples, but I know that there's examples out there of like the young wizard or witch in the family who's like the underdog because of their age. And I love that she's like truly on an equal plane, if not higher than her aunts. And we see that like right from the beginning that she like knows what she's doing. Speaking of her aunts here, we meet them and we find out that they kind of refer to her as Red or Little Red throughout the movie. There was a Madonna joke and a Spice Girls reference from these aunts as they're like making this potion. And the Spice Girls reference, one of the aunts is like, I'm the original Spice Girl. as She's like, you know, mixing stuff up in this cauldron. And I was like, oh my gosh. I missed that. That's so good. Yeah. Well, there are tons of of just references and the play on words and the puns in this movie. So good. Mm -hmm. We also learn here that like the witches are scared of Desmond Spellman, which, you know, he's the bad guy. So of course that would be that way. But meanwhile, we learn that ghosts are scared of witches. So foreshadowing kind of how this is all going to play out. So Wendy in her little red jumpsuit goes out to meet the paper boy. And this was so like sweet and innocent. And she took him a little present, but the ants are basically trying to sabotage the whole potential relationship. And they throw this goo at him and it's strange. And he like gets whapped on the head with all his papers. And I was, I was sad for little Wendy. Well, I also was like, why are these grown women terrorizing this poor young paper boy when all Wendy wants is a friend. I know. Their whole relationship dynamic is is quite baffling. And that that is a moment that kind of sets up like the ants are not too crazy about Wendy, basically bully her, of course. And so we see that uh, continue. Like I said, the witches are scared of Desmond and his henchmen show up. They're trying to get Wendy. So the witches have to like get out of there. They wind up at this resort slash hotel place. It's called Sunny Bright. And at the same time, we see Casper and his uncles uh, going there. So it's like, okay, okay. But when they show up at the resort, you know, they're at the front desk. And one of the witches is like, uh, cabin for four, maybe with an extra room in case I want to have any spare guests. And I was like, oh, okay. This is a kid's movie. I totally missed that. That's an incredible line. It's one of those, like, as an adult, uh, we see you, but as a kid, you're like, whatever, don't even notice that line. And I'm focusing on mm, the goat or whatever, you know? (laughs) Yes, because they turned this old lady, they turned this one lady into a goat who had, like, insulted them. Mind you, they're wearing, like, witch outfits at this point. Mm -hmm. And this woman was like, aren't you ladies a little old to be trick-or-treating, which... 
reminded me of Hocus Pocus. Yeah. There's a similar line in that movie. Um, But they turned that lady into a goat so that they can steal her room or something because there weren't any rooms left. But anyway. Well, also, every time they changed clothes, they had this like 70s vibe going with Wendy having, you know, the appropriate 90s style, but the ants just like constantly their wardrobe was like stuck in the 70s, which was just quite entertaining to look at. No, 100%. And they they do change outfits with their their wands. And it's funny because you're right. Like, they think that Wendy's the one who looks weird. And it's like, uh, not quite. But Wendy changes into that cute little overall outfit. And it's just like, oh, my gosh, Hillary, can you could you be more adorable right now? I loved every single one of her outfits in this movie. And like to the point where I'm like, oh, maybe I should go out and look for some red overalls and a white T-shirt to rock. She rocked him so well. She did. I wrote down a line here. After she transforms into those overalls, she's like, I be witching. And ugh, again, the puns. I didn't say that. Oh, so good. (laughs) The puns here, the puns. Next, she meets Josh at the resort. And, you know, he's this little boy. And, oh, he's like her age. And so it's like, oh, we might have a little love interest again. And she thinks he's cute and all that. And we see we see that. And he seems he seems sweet, but we'll learn otherwise soon. Um, spoiler. Yeah, I love his opening lines of, oh, you probably heard of me. And uh, this resort has was kind of boring until now. I was like, wow, this kid's got game. Yes. Yep. I made a few notes about when they're in their hotel room. So they're using magic to like rearrange everything. But then they decide to stop because they realize that Desmond Spellman can like track them by them using their magic. So no magic. Wendy actually gets grounded. We do see her on her computer for a second. And there's a line about spell check, which I thought was funny because get it like spell check. (laughs) And when they ground her because, you know, she can't use magic. Uh, she says, I feel like I'm in the witch's protection program. So it never stops. Right. Constant. On Casper's side of things, we see that he has a very parallel situation where his uncles are basically bullying him the same way Wendy's aunts do. And that's something we kind of would have already known just from prior knowledge of the Casper series. Um Wendy is grounded, but she sees Josh and decides to go and try to talk to him. And he's in an arcade and he turns out to be a total jerk, which he wasn't giving her the time of day at that arcade. So Wendy's kind of, you know, sad and off on her own. Casper, same thing. And they run into each other in this little barn. And okay, they're meeting super cute. But of course, they see each other and it's like a ghost. Like Wendy's literally like a ghost. And Casper's like a witch because, um, or well, Wendy put, turns herself back into a witch so that, you know, he'll be scared of her. Casper doesn't realize she's a witch until she dons her uh, all red hat, witch hat and like jumpsuit, um, which I thought was funny that she had like shown evidence of her being a witch prior to that. But it wasn't until she changed her outfit that he was like, oh, my God, you're a witch. And then he's like scared of her for a second. Um, but they kind of become friends. He even flirts with her a little bit, which I was like, okay, Casper, I see you. Yep, flirty goes. And Hillary was yeah. quite sassy in that scene. Yes. Okay, well, I wrote down some lines here. And Casper says, can you really do magic like David Copperfield? And Hillary, well, Wendy's like, are you kidding? He eats my pixie dust. 
It doesn't get better. Oh, man, those lines. They hit it off and they become friends. And it's nice because they didn't really have any friends at the resort. They're kind of outcasts from their family. And then we get this fun sequence where they go and do all these things. And just to kind of touch on what they do here, they rollerblade. So 90s. Casper is actually like pulling Wendy, but he's invisible. So all these people are just seeing Wendy just kind of roll by and it's strange. They play croquet. They listen to a Walkman slash tape player together, which, you know, again, 90s. What else? Oh, archery. And while this is going on, the song Holiday is playing like, we're on a holiday. That song. Um, also, okay, the archery moment was was an interesting scene because you have this, what, 10-year-old attempting to get her arrow on her bow and she is epically failing at the beginning. And then you have all of these mm, seemingly late teenagers who all look at her and just make fun of her for it. Mm-hmm. And then to have that conclude with her with uh, her using her magic to get a bullseye, a beautiful moment. I love her little finger like magic that she used. It was cute. Yeah, her finger, her finger choreography for that day, uh, for the magic is something for the books. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> yes. Oh, favorite part of the Casper and Wendy uh, montage moment when they're flying and Wendy is like surfing on a broom. Casper's on a little motorcycle. That's so good. It's very good. Also, I don't know where, I think it was probably within the realm of that montage, but I wrote down a quote and it's just honestly a, a heavily hyphenated word. But uh, Hillary at one point um, within the context of her and Casper talking, she goes, absolutely to him and I loved it so much I wrote it down. <laughs> and I wrote down where when they're in the air she says having a bad air day. So many left and right if you stop paying attention for but a moment you miss like seven references. Crazy. It's true. And this is a kids movie and there's so much in there. After their little day out there's also some great lines where they kind of they're sitting I think on a bench and Hillary's like, well, Wendy's like, this was the best day of my life. And Casper says, me too, minus the life part. Yes. I can't. Quite subtle, just like slip it in their lines. And I love it. Yeah. It's also at this point that they make this plan to make the aunts and uncles like each other. Because obviously, you know, ghosts, which is in this universe, don't get along. And they want them to because they want to be friends like Casper and Wendy. They are friends, but they want their aunts and uncles to be okay with it. This was so weird. This was such a weird situation. But their plan involves getting the uncles to, like, take over the bodies of humans and go to this dance at the resort where the aunts are going to be and, like, introduce them to them. I don't know. It was... Yeah. Eh. Yeah. Not, not the best storytelling <laughs> trope. The ants weren't so hard to convince to go to the dance, though. And we see this great moment where they're at the pool. And, you know, Wendy is supposed to be grounded. But she shows up in this detective costume as her disguise. Love it. Truly incredible. Another incredible outfit. Whoever was the costume designer for this movie, mad props. As she's leaving the pool. Now, this, honestly, my favorite, favorite one-liner. So she runs into Josh and he's like, hey, doll face. And she says, hey, dog face. And the, ah! <laughs> the sass, though. Truly consistent sass from Hill. And we get an even better line. And I don't know if you wrote this one down or not. But uh, 
I think he asks her to the dance, actually, or something, or he asks her out or whatever. But but she says that she met someone new who's cute, pale, bald, and hangs out in cemeteries. <laughs> I mean, can you even? And then when he did not take that well, she said, quote, you are way behind on 90s dating rituals. So maybe it's time for you to catch up. And then she used her little finger finger witching and manipulated the this other kid's ketchup pouring on his hot dog to then go all over Josh's face. And I loved every second of that. Yeah. It was so good. That was my favorite part. And recently, like at Halloween, someone tweeted that video and Hillary got on Twitter for like two seconds and happened to see it. And she retweeted it and, you know, laughed at it. And I thought that was so great because that, I mean, that was so good. Like, really iconic and really setting the stage for what we all should aspire to when we dump someone who is trash. Mm-hmm. And he winds up getting thrown in the pool, too, which is also great. This next part is not my favorite, though. And it's it's the dance. And again, the uncles, they take over the bodies of these three guys. And I did make a note how, like, the fat ghost, he gets in, like, this overweight guy's body. And he's like, why do I always get the fat guy? Which, uh, anyway. The very outdated jokes are yes. just riddled yep. throughout. <laughs> Hillary at the dance, her outfit, the red sweater, the black hat. I mean, she was killing it. So good. Here's the second cameo. Did you see the Ferris Bueller's Day Off teacher at this dance? Yes, I did. And I definitely made a note of it. I was like, I spy with my little eye. Bueller. And his moment wasn't even that like iconic or anything. It just was like he was there and his interaction was blase and then he was gone. So the uncles in human form are absolutely gross, but they are flirting with the ants. It's super creepy and the ants are just weird and I don't I don't even know uh, what to even make of that. It was a moment. I well, and the moment where one of the uncles like couldn't stand his nice smelling scent. So he dunked himself in a dumpster and then came out. And then that's when they all saw the ants and they were like, Oh wow. Like what a lovely aroma. I mean, I got to say like, it was an interesting, the moment when they're all sitting around the table, it was like a lovely little, uh, the audience is totally aware of the fact that these two people aren't what they say they are or presenting themselves as. And we can see that they totally could get along. But the moment that they like reveal themselves, that all goes for naught. Yeah. And we'll talk about that here. I do want to talk about Wendy's little moment with Casper first. And so Josh, Josh sees Wendy at the dance, but Casper had asked Wendy uh, to dance and they're like outside at this uh, gazebo. She changes into that beautiful red dress. Yes, she does. And it's such a cute little moment, but he doesn't want to, uh, he doesn't want to be seen. Like he's embarrassed to dance and he puts on a cute little tux too, uh, but he makes himself invisible to other people. Doesn't Josh come out and sees her dancing by herself? Yeah, yeah. He's like, you'd rather dance with yourself and not me or something? Yeah. When Casper changed into that tux, he also said the line, the name's Boo, James Boo. Oh, man. Quite honestly, I I believe the first I I had watched this 
probably two or three years ago, back when we did um, the first Chicago premiere of the Hillary Duff Project. Mm -hmm. And I remember having this just strong visceral reaction of wanting a sequel to Casper Meets Wendy, where like they actually are pursuing a relationship with each other because their chemistry is it's quite palpable um, throughout the whole thing. And clearly Casper is smitten, a little smitten kitten. Yes. I mean, I ship it. I do. Yeah. So the witches discover that they're ghosts at this point because they can't stay in those bodies any longer. And then what ends up getting revealed is that they can't use magic. Like the witches are not using magic at this resort, which basically doesn't scare the ghosts as much. That's what Wendy tells Casper at this time. And literally within mm, like a minute of him leaving her and going to his uncles, he reveals that information to them, which I was like, Casper. (laughs) Yeah, he did it accidentally, but still, yeah, you're right. He spilled the beans like right then and there. He does not do well in a panic. So that's what happens. And the uncles actually try to scare the witches away, which kind of works out. But Wendy ends up using her magic and pulls out her wand and she turns them into plaster. And that's when Desmond is able to track her. So now we're getting to the climax. Desmond's coming to the resort. Things are about to go down. Okay. The witches are trying to fight off Desmond, and he has sent Wendy through this portal. Casper goes into the portal to try to save her. The ghost uncles team up with the ants to send Desmond into the portal. And honestly, I'm like rushing through this for no reason, but it's a big epic ending here. It really is. I mean, there's a solid mm, like two or three minutes, not maybe not that long. It felt like that long of her just in this. What did it? What did they call it? The in the mystic abyss. She is uh, just just straight like flailing her arms for quite a long time where her ants are just completely helpless. And it's Casper who kind of comes to the rescue for her. And Hillary was doing a great job, I have to say, with all the flailing and screaming. It was good. Yes. Yeah. She did a good job with it. It it revved up. There was like a the very beginning of it, it felt like a little she was figuring things out and then all of a sudden it clicked for her and she was truly in panic mode, which was great. The ghosts and ants, they send Desmond through the portal instead and they pull Wendy and Casper back to safety, barely, because the the ropes are like hooked together and it was not looking like it was going to stay hooked for a second. Um, so they were, they had us on the edge of our seats, you know. Happy ending, they're rescued and there's there's hugs, there's a truce between the ants and the ghosts. And that mirror, the mirror mirror on the wall comes back and is like, Wendy is the greatest. And uh, I wrote down this line that he says, and he's like, she did something no other can boast. This little witch befriended a ghost. So Wendy is the greatest and it's her I select. One day she'll be queen. So show some respect. And I was like, yes, she will be queen. Queen Hillary Duff. She's the queen of our hearts always and forever. At the very end, we see, you know, the witches are leaving, the ghosts are leaving, and Wendy kisses Casper on the cheek and he blushes. And there's a great line where she goes, bye, ghost boy. Bye, ghost boy. And that's kind of the end of Casper Meets Wendy and Hillary's film debut. And honestly, iconic, iconic. Truly iconic. She killed it and quite the foreshadow to the career that she's had ever since. Mm. For me, I'll just say overall, I I really enjoyed this. It was fun. All the one-liners were great. All the references I didn't catch as a kid were great. 
there were some moments that were a little cringeworthy, but yeah, really enjoyed it. Nice little throwback, fun, nostalgic movie. Yeah, I mean, definitely looking at it from the perspective of looking at Hillary and her debut acting career, thoroughly enjoyed the movie. It's such a gem to watch, and I would watch it again um, without hesitation for that aspect alone. 100%. And obviously she had done, you know, I'm sure some commercials before this and that sort of thing. But this was it. And that was that was huge for her to land this role, this leading character in this franchise, basically. And yeah, launched everything, really. Great for her resume, for sure. Oh, yeah, entirely great for her resume. And it was only what, like, a couple years later that then probably all the preliminary work for Lizzie McGuire started coming about and she obviously killed it for that. So yeah. So this came out in 98 and Lizzie would have probably started shooting in 2000. So yeah. Finally today, we've got our trivia round here, Quizzy McGuire. And so Kat, do you want to hit me first or do you want me to ask you your trivia question first? Maybe hit me with yours first and we'll see how I do. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Not too hard, I don't think. But I did want to like pull something that maybe was a little more, um, something that not everyone would know, maybe. You know, we were talking about how she was starring with all of these like Oscar-nominated actors in this movie and that sort of thing. So my question for you, which of the following Oscar-winning actors has Hillary not acted in a film or TV project with? Here they are. A, Angelina Jolie. B, Lady Gaga. C, Regina King, or D, Whoopi Goldberg. Some of these actors would have had Oscars by the time they starred in the film with Hillary. Some received them after the movie that she, or movie or show that she was in with them. Wow. Um, jeez. You want to do like 50-50? You want to do a 50-50? Sure. I have an inclination of who it is, but do a 50-50 so I can like maybe, let's see if I'm like roughly in the range. For 50-50, we'll do Lady Gaga or Whoopi Goldberg. Oh, God. It wasn't who I thought it was. Um, I'm going to say Whoopi. And you're correct. She's not oh been in a movie or a TV show with Whoopi. I mean, she's been on The View, but like, you know, not acting. I said acted. Right, right, right. So what were what were the projects that she was in with uh, um, Angelina Jolie and Lady Gaga and Regina King? Can you say that? Okay. Well, Regina King, a Cinderella story. But now Regina King oh, didn't yeah. get her Oscar. Until, like, you know, recently. Yes, I knew that. Yeah, 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 yeah. That one's one that most people know. But, okay. So, Angelina Jolie, Hillary was, like, an extra. This was her first sort of project. On her IMDb page, this is, like, her first thing. True Women. It was actually a miniseries, I believe, uh, in the 90s. Or in 97. And it was, like, Angelina Jolie. You had Dana Delaney. So, they shot it, like, basically where Hillary lived. And there's, like, images or in clips of it on line like on YouTube that you can look up but didn't really not a prominent role or anything just kind of like a little extra background but still <gasps> wow Gaga Lady Gaga guest starred on Gossip Girl when Hillary was doing an arc on the show and so they have a little scene together where Gaga is performing and Hillary is in the background watching and has a moment where like Olivia her character is talking to Dan Humphreys and so yeah and Hillary even sings uh, Love Game a little bit yes while she was mm-hmm. on that episode correct an incredible question. Okay, I came up with a couple, so I think I'm just going to narrow it down to this one I just thought was funny. Um, but which Hillary Duff song 
is the theme song to Laguna Beach. That would be Come Clean from Metamorphosis. Bango, correct. Looking at the promo or like the theme song video for Laguna Beach with the background of Come Clean, it truly is a magical experience to watch now. Um, especially knowing all the drama that's wrapped up into Laguna Beach and the drama of Come Clean itself. So yeah. Did you have any more that you wanted to throw at me? Um, sure. Which of her novels is a New York bestseller? Okay, so that's the first one, which is Elixir. You're so good. Listen. <laughs> and do you know what um, Matt Coma got for her birthday last year? 2018. Ooh, yeah. okay. Um, let me think. As a hint to it, it's not something that she, like, owns in her home oh oh the alpaca yes yes well those were good um i'm gonna challenge you when you come back for you're gonna do another episode hit me with a good hard one next time okay i'll I'll have to dig deep and find something that you don't know and we'll go from there well it's funny because i've been doing so many of these episodes and most of the time well a few people have stumped me uh so far but but yeah like they're coming at me and they're like this one's so hard and i'm like no it's not anyway Well, Kat, this has been super fun. You will be coming back for another episode, so I'm looking forward to that. But in the meantime, thanks for uh, making your Deaf Enough debut today. I am so thrilled and blessed to be on here. Thank you so much for having me. And that's all for this episode of Duff Enough. Thanks again for listening. I hope you'll subscribe and stick around for more because this podcast is what dreams are made of. You can follow along on social media at Duff Enough Pod and check the description for my socials as well as show guests. And until next time, bye Team Duff. Duff.